We are back. Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen and Leger Duzable. The Jets are 2-7. and seven. A date with the Miami Dolphins at MetLife Stadium on the horizon Sunday, 1 o'clock. Robert Sala said early this week, dudes, this thing is going to flip. Yeah, and, and you would hope so because, uh, you know, it's – I know him personally, and I know it has to hurt him as a defensive-minded coach for, you know, the defense to have put the product on the field that's been out there the last three or four weeks. So I know this guy. He's very optimistic. He's a hard worker. He's going to come in with, you know, that same high-level energy week in and week out. So eventually this thing will get flipped, but it, it, there's concerns, you know, when you talk about the play from the, the defensive line and also the linebacking position. I, I feel like the, the young secondary has actually held up pretty well for, you know, uh, position group that a lot of people didn't have a lot of faith in going into the season. But, um, yeah, a lot of it is, is, you know, it's easier said than done when you say it's execution, but it literally is execution when he watched the film. All right, so what concerns you most defensively? Because you talked about the play, the young secondary. We're yeah. going to get into some of these situations that arose against the Buffalo Bills. But where does it start? Because you're talking about a run here where the Jets gave up 54 points to yeah. the Patriots. Two weeks later, Indianapolis scores 45 points. Hmm. The Bills score 45, 45 points. And even in the win against the Cincinnati Bengals, right? you gave up 31 points. Yeah, so it, as far as the run game, right, a lot of it is coming down to the D-line. And this defense is predicated off the D-line creating havoc, but within the system. So you have to play within the system. There has been guys – on the defensive line, they have backdoored blocks who have been reached and cut off and went around blocks. And when you do that, you hurt your whole defense because you put a lot of pressure on the linebacker. So when you backdoor block or you get reached block and you're cut out of your gap, then that offensive guard or center climbs up to the linebackers at like three or four yards. So that means there's a canvas. You open up a hole for the running back, and that means he's not even getting touched until four or five yards down the field. And now you're banking on your safety, who's supposed to be the eraser of your defense, to tackle some of these backs one-on-one in the open field. When you got a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's really dynamic, a guy like Naheem Himes, that's really dynamic. That's a, that's a tall ax for any safety, no matter how good the safety is. So that's first and foremost what it is in the run game. And then sometimes it can be coach-related, too. And I know EA said we we're going to talk about this, but just putting players in certain positions – to make them successful versus the Buffalo Bills, who are one of the most explosive offenses in all of football. I mean, I felt like the defense just went way too much cover one, cover zero, which means man across the board with only one safety net in the back. And then you realize it. I know the play that everybody has been talking about in the red zone with Javelin, you know, Gidry coming in after Brandon Eccles gets hurt. The Jets literally just got blessed because Stephon Diggs on the fade route couldn't get both feet in, right? And, and when uh, – Anybody knows this, even fans sitting at home, uh, not to talk about fans sitting at home, but when a guy comes fresh into the game, that's usually where our offense attacks, right? So Javelin Gidry's been on the sideline. He comes in to the game. They go at him, you know, and, and get, they get blessed because Diggs only gets one foot in the in, inbounds. After that, I would have bracketed Diggs or yeah. maybe went some zone coverage, but we went cover one again, and they threw a fade route right back to him. Stephon Diggs, a top five receiver in the NFL. If you keep giving him opportunities, he's going to make you pay, and, and that's what happened. I just felt like the cover two, and I know it's easier said than done, but, you know, most guys have played cover two since, you know, Little League football. 
So we'll cover. And that's what Jacksonville did against the Buffalo yeah, Bills we'll cover, the week before. Yeah, it makes you matriculate the ball down the field. It forces you to run the football too, which we know the Bills don't really like doing. Actually, they had some success versus the Jets, and it's because guys were running around blocks up front and, and getting cut off and getting reach blocked. But it forces you to, to have methodical drives of 10, 11, 12 play drives. And when you go cover one with a quarterback like Josh Allen and the receiving core that the Buffalo Bills have, you make it essentially very easy for him because he knows exactly where to go for the ball. Like the strength is supposed to be this D-line, but we essentially didn't even give the D-line a chance to get after the quarterback in a four-man rush. And something that I talked about, pass rush games were going to be big against this team. I really didn't see many. I haven't seen many in the last three or four weeks. Well, let's get back to your first point that you continue to emphasize. Yeah. Can this defense be successful if the defensive line is not good to excellent? Because right now you would say the last few games, yeah. average, below average. It's a tall ass because this this defensive line, this is what the defense is predicated off, the defensive line being good and being able to create havoc and then those linebackers being able to run east and west and get sideline to sideline and be able to cover guys up and down the seam. So there's so much – I want to say so much pressure on the D-line, but essentially there is for the D-line to be good because they are the focal point of this defense. And when I played in 2017 on this defense, that's that's what the focal point was. We saw when the San Francisco 49ers made a run to the Super Bowl. It was predicated off their defensive line creating havoc. We saw it last night on the Monday night football game. Even though Robert Sala is here, D'Amico Ryans is still running the same scheme. When that defensive line cre- create havoc – then it makes everybody's job so much easier. And that's on any team, but more specifically in this game. All right, situational football. Young team, more rookie snaps than anybody in the National Football League. Let's just go over a couple situations. First half, you're trailing 10-1. Fourth and one, delay game. 10-3, No, it's 10-0. Oh, 10-0, you're right, you're right, you're right. Late in the half, Bills get the ball, it's 10-3. Diggs, stop and go, beats a rookie cornerback. You went over the situation they pad on at 17-3. Yeah. Started the third quarter, the Bills, it was an avalanche. Yeah. They were throwing snowballs at you, going down the, uh, going down the field left and right, yeah. scoring on the ground. And before you know it, the game is over. And that game was 10-3 to late in the first half. Yeah, and, and the, the thing is, right, I had a coach that once told me that there's usually five plays that determine the whole outcome of the game. Now, you don't know when those five plays are happening in the game, but you usually want to be on the right side of those plays. And the Jets have been on the wrong side of those plays. And that field goal situation or maybe attempt the field goal, go for it on fourth down situation, happened in week one versus the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember um, same situation, you know, guys weren't looking at the clock. That's on the quarterback. That's on the head coach. That's on the offensive coordinator. You have to realize where you are on the clock. And once guys are still in the huddle at eight or nine seconds, either the offensive coordinator needs to call down or get in the headset of the quarterback. The quarterback, his job is also to look at the clock. But then also the head coach needs to be inching his way down towards the ref just and in case he wants to call a timeout. Call a timeout. So that situation, you're talking about potentially taking points off the board. It's 10 nothing right there. If you're you in get, plus territory. Yeah, if you get the first down, who knows what happens. Maybe you score a touchdown. Maybe you kick a field goal. And then you're talking about maybe 10-6 because it just added another field goal the next drive. Then it's a totally different game. And also, you eat some clock off the board. That way, that big play right before half doesn't even happen. Mm. So you talk about situation in football and how certain plays can have a major outcome in how the game is decided. Like I said, you never know when those five plays are going to happen. That was definitely one of the plays in the game. So not only did the Bills convert with the touchdown there late in the first half at 17-3, 17, 17 
but White gets a big vertical pass to Corey Davis, and you are in scoring territory again, and then Micah Hyde makes a great play. Yeah, but even then, like, you're talking about 17-6. That's only down 11. That's a touchdown, two-point conversion, and a field goal from tying the and game up. And it gives up. you momentum, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Coming out of half, like, you just gave up that score. But for you to, with the minute and some change left on the clock, to be able to drive down the field on the number one ranked defense to put up points before half, it gives you that momentum. And momentum is really any sport, but more specifically in football, like the team feeds off of that. And we've talked about that all year long, the turnovers, right? Teams are synonymous with, and we even talked about this the week before with Michael Hyde and Jordan Poirier, what they do. Mm. They do a great job punching the ball in your hands or raking the ball in your hands. And that's exactly what Michael Hyde did right there to Corey Davis. You just got to secure the ball. We've, we've had too many times where we've had explosive plays on offense and we've turned the ball right back over to, to, to their defense, the opponent's defense. Mike White, uh, we saw him with the historic effort against Cincinnati Bengals. We both thought he was going to have a huge game against the Colts when he went out with 95 yeah. yards passing in the first quarter. It wasn't even over at that point. Uh, the touchdown pass to Elijah Moore. Jets face an elite defense. The turnovers, not just this game, but you look at the blowout losses – They've it's not bad. just the defense. The turnovers have been up there. Yeah, and exactly. So, coupled with the defense not playing as well, uh, the opponent's offenses have been starting in a lot of plus territories because of turnovers or really good field position because of turnovers. And we saw that rear its ugly head again on Sunday. What, four interceptions and a fumble? Yes. So, you're talking about five turnovers. You're never going to win. You're never going to win a game like that. The Jets on the season are minus 15 in the turnover margin. Last in the NFL. Like, you're not winning any games with that turnover margin. So, like, you cannot turn – like, that is, like, the number one rule of any team, right? Don't turn the football over because it's hard to win games already without turning the football over. But if you turn the football over, it almost makes it impossible to win games. What do you do uh, – flipping it back to the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Eccles, who went down yeah. late in that first half, he's going to be out three to five weeks. Yeah. We're taping Tuesday morning, as always. He might mm -hmm. land on injured reserve, you would think. What do you do at the cornerback position opposite Bryce Hall now? Yeah, so that's the one position that actually has been semi-healthy on this team for the most season. And, you know, Isaiah Dunn came in a little bit. Uh, Gid you think Dunn Gidry, could be the guy? I think this week, just because he's a little bit bigger than Gidry, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they put him in the game. I know the staff really likes him. Um, but it's just a tough blow because Brandon Echols, you know, for a guy that was six-round pick, has done a really good job of competing throughout the whistle. He's gotten better as the season has progressed, he's turning his head around with the ball in the air. That's something he kind of struggled with earlier on in the year. But he's actually done a really good job the last few weeks being able to to fight guys, even in the red zone that one time with Stephon Diggs early in the game when it's 7 nothing. He's one-on-one -on, -one on the island, does a really good job, you know, matching the intensity of Stephon Diggs on a fade route, squeezing him to the, you know, the sideline, and then the ball – Ultimately, was you know a little bit over Stephon Diggs' hands, but even if it was there, Brandon Eccles was in the perfect you know place to contest the catch. So he's done a really good job as, as far as being able to contest the ball when it's in the air and just competing throughout the whole down. So that's a major blow to the secondary because him, Michael Carter, and and you know Bryce Hall have really haven't essentially come off the field. So right. you you haven't got you know Dunn's gotten a little bit of reps here and there, Gidry a little bit you know here and there. But those guys haven't played much football this year. Is Eccles shown you enough here? I know we got caught up with numbers. A lot of people say, hey, wait, 
You got to have a number one corner. You got to have a number yeah. two corner. You got to have a number four. I, mean, corner. I believe Bryce Hall is the number one corner. Okay, for sure. But has Eccles shown you enough that no matter what happens the rest of the way, this guy's one of your pieces moving forward? Yeah, I would think so. I think you still bring in another guy yep. ultimately via drive or via free agency and let those guys go out there and compete. But Brandon Eccles has showed that he he can play in this league and. and potentially be a number two starting corner okay. in this league. So I think I definitely think he deserves the chance, depending on how long he's out with the injury. I'm sure he'll, they'll supplement him right back in the starting lineup when he comes back. Good thing for him, it's but, 17 games. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So he'll probably still have, you know, another four or five games yeah. at the end of the year to be able to come back and play. Well, let me ask you about a couple of the highlights here offensively. Michael Carter and Elijah Moore are only the second set of Jets rookies to each have at least four touchdowns in the same season mm. and the first since 1966 when Emerson Boozer had six touchdowns and Pete Lamons had four. How about that historical fact from Randy Lang? And the, and the thing is, it's happened, what, like the last four or five weeks. It wasn't like it was happening in the beginning of the season because both of the – I mean, Elijah Moore – you know, missed some time, but then also wasn't really used in the offense the first couple of weeks of the season. And I felt like he should have been used, used a little bit more. Yesterday, he didn't really get a lot of his burn towards the end of the game when the game was already out of balance. And we know Corey Davis coming back. I felt like they would, they would still find a way to, to get, you know, Elijah Moore the ball because essentially with Davis out, he had been the number one receiver on the team. We've seen how dynamic – he can be when they get him the ball in the end of rounds, when they put him in the slot, run him on some drag routes. And even outside, he showed up really nice versus, the, you know, the Indianapolis Colts. So I thought this was a guy that they would, you know, script maybe six or seven plays a game for because he's proven that he can be explosive with the ball in his hands. And then Michael Carter, I mean, what can you say about him? We talked about this on the Robert Sala show. <laughs> this guy is becoming one of the best all-purpose backs in the NFL. And, like, his strength and contact balance – and charge been, after contact dudes are just it's, ridiculous. It's re, like no, no, the first defender never brings him down, and like that's a weekly thing for him now. And I, I guarantee, you know, defensive coordinators when they're you know breaking down you know, personnel in that Wednesday meeting when everybody comes back after the, the day off on Tuesday, they're telling guys, hey, bring wrap up, run your feet on this guy because the first guy he's made miss multiple times. And it's not just that he's just shaking them in the open field; he's running with power and purpose. So Michael Carter. It, to me, running the ball effectively, catching the ball out of the backfield, being a viable receiver for your quarterback, he, you know, the sky's the limit for this. Yeah, it's interesting because the Jets thought they were going to have a running back by committee, committee approach. Yeah. It's kind of been mm-hmm. this guy separated himself. I like what Tevin Coleman's given you as well. Yeah, Just nice change. Up. You know, it, it, unfortunately for him, the only thing that's held. Coleman back has been an injury. Right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we talked about this earlier in the year, and we thought it would be running back by committee, but I feel like Michael Carter has earned the right to be the lead back. And uh, it was weird yesterday. It was, there was lulls in the game where he just wasn't in the game, and yeah. then he would come back in and, you know, get you an eight-yard carry, get you a catch out of the backfield. And, and I'm like, this guy should be getting 20 touches minimum a game because that's the type of player he's proven he can be, especially the last four or five weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how Mike LaFleur implores him. I kind of like the two-back set they did in the beginning of the game with him and Ty Johnson, okay. being able to get both of your athletic running backs in there. Um, don't, you know, don't, don't major in it, but it was a nice <laughs> switch up because um, I think Ty Johnson is giving you some, some nice plays too, especially coming out of the backfield. Jets are 2-7. and seven. Okay, and they got a lot of issues right now, mm-hmm. but how encouraged are you by these three rookies offensively and Carter, 
more than Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh, by the way, AVT is going to pop up here on the podcast momentarily. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can you say? And and it's it's almost as if some your rookie players are your best players on your team, mm. and that kind of lets you know the the rebuild process and what the Jets are doing right now. When when your young guys are you know the ones making plays, it's a good thing, but it also shows you where you're at as far as the roster. And we knew Elijah Vera Tucker. This is a guy during the pre-draft process that I was praying that just got, like I knew he probably wouldn't last to 22, and Joe D did a really good job of moving up to get him um, to try to help solidify the offensive line. And I'm so excited for when Makai Beckton comes back so these guys can just get that continuity together. I feel like that's going to be a dominant left side um, you know, both of these guys can stay healthy throughout their ca- careers for the next, you know, five to six years. And you're talking about building O line that that had like Nick Mango, DeBrickishaw, Ferguson, um, guys that were mainstays on the mm-hmm. offensive line, Pro Bowls. I, I can see these two guys being that if they can stay on the field and stay healthy together. And then you know, Michael Carter, we just talked about him. What, what more can you say? This kid is going to be a really good player for a long time. He's not big in stature, but he's built, you know, strong, low to the ground, almost like a little bowling ball. Um, almost like a boulder, like the first guy doesn't bring him down, contact balance. The guy is a mismatch in the open field, catching the ball at the backfield. Linebackers can't cover him one-on-one. And then Elijah Moore, he's been, you know, implemented into the offense more and more the last couple weeks. I feel like he kind of regressed as far as getting him the ball this past week. But the last three or four weeks before that, he, he had shown why he was a steal in the second round, being able to, you know, be explosive in the open field, being dynamic, being able to be multiple, lining up side, lining up in the slot. And he's a guy that can be a reliable receiver for a quarterback. Official Jet podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport bet together at WinBet. We'll bring in AVT here momentarily. Uh, not only are these kids producing on the field, I like their mindsets. Don't yeah. you think they have an old-school approach to the game? Each one of these guys, you hear Michael Carter talk, you'd think he was in the league for <laughs> six years. You hear um, Elijah Moore talk, yeah. and he, he says, you know, it's never a loss, it's always a lesson. Yes. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is impressive. Uh, uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker is as steady as they come. Yeah, just a tremendous Eddie. work ethic. Yeah, and, and, and that's what you want from your rookie class, and these are going to be some of your forefront pieces, you know, going forward. So you want guys that are, you know, humble, but have a lot of confidence in their game, but they're, you know, they're not overconfident or cocky. You know, they, they come in, they, they go about their business. Like, Michael Carter is just a fun interview to have. Like, this guy's he's always got a smile on his face, but when he goes out there, he's about his business, man. You know, not too much jaw, not a lot of talking. He just gets it done. And the thing about him, when we interviewed him, we talked about coming from a family of running backs. So the rule in his family is the first guy can never bring you down. And you can see on the field, he <laughs> genuinely believes that. Like, the first guy never brings this guy down. And then Elijah Moore just goes about a bu- his business. You could tell he was clearly probably frustrated the first couple of weeks not being able to get implemented into the offense. Then the injury happened. Um, but then he's come back, and he's just put his head down and work, and he's been able to produce. And even at the end-of-game situations when, you know, he's just thrown into action, most guys would just shut it down and be like, I'm going to just go out here and run some routes. You know, they ain't really trying to give me the ball. But – he produces at the end of games, even when games are out out of balance already. So that, that proves that he's still locked in, even though the game is out of balance. And then Elijah Vera Tucker just, just goes out there and just manhandles guys for a rookie. Like, the power that he plays without the line of scrimmage, the first step quickness that he has. And then he's just gotten immensely better in his pass pro the last few years. Being able to, at times, take on two blockers 
on blitzes when it's not even his responsibility. He's done it multiple times on that on that blitz pickup versus Cincinnati Bengals right before half on that pass to Braxton Berrios. Literally takes the defensive tackle, hits him, and then moves out to the guard just to buy Mike White a little bit more time. That's got to be on the end-of-the-year highlights. Oh, it's got to <laughs> be, man. So, like, this this dude is going to be a superstar. So, like, Joe D is hit with this rookie class. It's, it's more specifically on the offensive side of the ball um, with his first couple draft picks on the offensive side of the ball. Um, how difficult has it been for the Jets at the quarterback position because you've played four guys now? Yeah. Joe Flacco gets in the game. Nice job by – Joey, well. <laughs> Joey at the end of the ball game. He's like, Vinny, he's like Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. You're going to wake Joe up when he's 50 and he still can sling it. Be ready to play, man. <laughs> Joe's still got the big arm. But, um, yeah, like you want stability at every position on your football team, but more specifically the quarterback position. And you drafted Zach Wilson number two. You were hoping that he was going to play all 17 games so you can evaluate him and he can progress and you can help develop him. But with the injury allotted you to do – it allowed you to to really evaluate Mike White. You got to see Josh Johnson for almost that whole game, and you even got to see Flacco for about a less than a quarter. Less than a quarter. So um, the the bright spot, and there's never a bright spot with an injury, but with a young team that's rebuilding, and you're really trying to evaluate everybody, you get to evaluate your quarterbacks in real game action, not just in you know you know preseason action. So you got to see Mike White to see if he's going to be a valuable backup for you going forward, or if he could potentially even maybe down the road, become a starter. And then you got to see Josh Johnson to see what he can offer for your team. You know, Joe Douglas brought in Joe Flacco. I don't think he knew that Mike White was going to play as well as he did. So when he brought him in at the time, he was going to be a veteran guy that Zach Wilson can, can lean on. And essentially he can still do that because, um, you know, he's on the active roster. He'll be here throughout the rest of the year. So you want stability, but when you're rebuilding and you're trying to progress and you really want to evaluate this young team, you want to evaluate every position, and usually at quarterback position, you don't get to do that because you got a guy penciled in. So when you have a young guy that gets injured, it, it allows you to be able to evaluate everybody in that quarterback position room. All right, let's go to the option route because we have no idea who's going to be the starting quarterback. We'll have a better hmm. idea on Wednesday. Again, we tape Tuesday. If it's Mike White, what is he going to see from this Dolphins defense? Because I checked that game out the other night. Baltimore runs a completely different offense, but they got after Lamar Jackson and company, and they dominated the game. Well, he's got to go back to his New England film, and he has to look at the New England film from week two when Zach was starting, and then also, what was it, week six, maybe? Week five or six, the second time they played New England? Yes, I believe it was six. Okay, and he has to look at that film when he played New England because, you know, Brian Flores comes from the Bill Belichick tree as far as being able to blitz. He trusts his corners. They got two high-paid corners. I think the two highest-paid corners in the league. And, uh, you know, Byron Jones and then also Xavier Howard, who won, you know, should have won Defensive Player of the Year one year. He's always um, taking the ball. Oh, always. He had another turnover this past, you know, Thursday night, forced a fumble, scooped it up and scored a touchdown to kind of put that game out of balance for them. But the thing is, he's exotic in the way he blitzes. So mm. kind of like Buffalo where they're simple – I mean, and Miami Dolphins are not simple at all, but the Buffalo Bills are simple when they go cover two, but how they get to it and how multiple they can be when they get to it is certain that Mike White is going to have to be ready for this week as well because this is a team that they don't just go cover zero or cover one. They'll blitz you and they'll drop D linemen into zone coverage. Like, there's a, there was a play on there where they dropped Emmanuel Ogba and, and um, 
the defensive tackle that they drafted from Wilkins. They dropped him. Yeah. But they sent the corners and all the linebackers. I know that's so what like, I was just gonna say. Yeah. They sent the corners they from sent, the they sent, the they sent Holland. <laughs> they sent Holland on blitzes all the time. They trust that they got two corners that can shut down receivers, and they they trust Eric Rowe, who's a smart veteran guy that has a corner background, but has moved to safety for the Miami Dolphins. They trust that he can hold up against your tight end, so they'll blitz you, but they'll they'll blitz you and go you go some zone coverage too, just because you're thinking it's gonna be zero or or man coverage or cover one every single time. They'll switch it up and blitz you and go some zone. Are you playing into their hands if you're passing a lot? Because this Miami Dolphins <laughs> defense. It's predicated, you just talked about yeah. great defensive backfield play. Yeah, definitely. So you want to be in third and manageable, and we say that every week, but more specifically this week because if you're in third and long, that quarterback's not going to be able to hitch not one time because they're bringing the house on third and long. And sometimes they'll switch it up where they'll show six or seven guys at the line of scrimmage and back out in zone and maybe rush four guys. But the thing is, it's kind of like it reminds me of when I was playing for Rex Ryan. You don't know who, what four guys that's going to be. It's not necessarily just going to be the D lineman, right? It'll be a safety. It'll be a linebacker. Then it'll be two D linemen rushing, and they'll drop two D linemen. So just because they're blitzing, it doesn't mean it's essentially not just a four-man rush. You just got to figure out which four guys are coming. But when they do go cover zero or cover one and they blitz, you have to know where you're going with the football. Who's your hot route? And I would say on third down, stay away from Xavier Howard. He just – Finds a way to get the ball. Byron Jones is a really good player too, but Xavier and Howard just knows how to get the ball. Different off player, but it's almost like it's J.C. Jackson you're playing against. Exactly. <laughs> so, and the way J.C. Jackson's playing this year is, to me, he's the number one corner in football right now. The way he's playing this year, but yeah, you just have to know what Brian Flores like. He's gonna blitz you, but there's sometimes he blitzes you, but it's only essentially a four-man rush and not a full-on six-man rush. Well, we're gonna bring in Elijah Vera Tucker right yep. now. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Elijah, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're approaching game 10 of your rookie season. How's the body feeling? Because about this <laughs> point, typically in a college career, your season's winding down. Yeah, uh, no, you know, body's feeling good. Uh, you know, I feel like the difference between the league and college is you got a lot more time to take care of your body. So I've definitely been doing that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, body's always going to be, you know, sore after every game, but we good. So let's talk about your growth from week one until now. You know, you were got banged up a little bit during training camp, missed some time. Came back, though, to start week one versus the Panthers. Where do you think you've grown the most since week one to, to week 10 in the NFL? Yeah, I think I've just been able to, uh, to, you know, slow the game down a bit. Uh, you know, week one, uh, going out there, you know, game was moving, you know, pretty fast, uh, trying to be on the same, uh, you know, pace as everybody else. Uh, you know, just moving along, you know, going through our practice and playing a lot more games, and I feel a whole lot more comfortable out there. You know, I just go out there and do my thing with the whole line and the rest of the team. How much has it helped you play with a lot of veterans up front? Because I know this is a young yeah. football team, but the offensive line's not really young if you look at the starters mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah, I mean, that's been great. Um, you know, really, I got Fant right next to me, you know, McGovern, DVR, and then, um, you know, Moses, too, has been in the league for a minute. 
uh, you know, with a whole bunch of starts. Um, so, you know, it's been good. I've been able to, you know, pick their minds, uh, you know, pick their brains, stuff like that. You know, all of them just give me advice all the time, um, you know, how to slow the game down, you know, what to see. Uh, you know, we get it to line of scrimmage, you know, just different things you don't really think about in college or you don't really have to. Um, but, you know, it's been great, been a great learning experience and, you know, just looking forward to more. Yeah, Lars, I want to talk about a few plays that we were actually just talking about off camera. So the play on third down for Cincinnati Bengals right before half, they send a five-man, a six-man pressure, right? So that means mm -hmm. there's an extra guy coming. Usually the quarterback has to take care of that extra guy, but you guys did not full slide it. So you decided mm -hmm. to get a piece of DJ Reader then move out to the linebacker. And then oh, also yeah. Sunday mm -hmm. there was another play where you literally took on the D-tackle and the linebacker, almost like a pump block situation. So I just want to get in your head. We, when you're up front and you know they got one more guy coming, then you guys can block. But what was your process on both of those plays? Uh, yeah, my process is, uh, you know, that's my job is to, is, you know, take care of both those guys. Um, so, you know, whether I need to say inside out, outside in, you know, I got to get a hand on at least one of them, uh, you know, to disrupt them. Um, and at that point, you know, it's just, it's just getting the job done. You know, not much, you know, not a whole lot of technique to it. Um, like I said, just, you know, disrupting one guy and then making sure the other guy doesn't get to the quarterback. Um, but, yeah. Hey, Elijah, how much are you seeing as far as stunts and twists are concerned, maybe compared to what you saw at USC? And how much did it take you um, a little bit of time to get comfortable as you got to see more of that on a weekly basis? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we definitely see a whole lot more stunts, uh, you know, in the league they do in college. And I think that's pretty much, uh, you know, for everyone. But, uh, you know, we work on it a lot in practice. You know, we do a whole lot of drills for it. Uh, so, you know, coming into the games and stuff, um, you know, it's more like clockwork, you know, working with George and, uh, you know, McGovern right next to me. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely, uh, you know, something you got to you gotta be on your toes for. Uh, you know, I feel like every every year teams are getting better at games, uh, you know, learning how to, um, you know, get guards or tackles out of position, to, you know, pass games off and stuff like that. So, like I said, just definitely have to be on point with it. Elijah, at time, you guys have, you know, been dominant in certain run games. I remember the New England game you guys ran, I believe, for over 150 yards. And even this last mm -hmm. week versus the Bills, there are certain runs that were creasing. I know Tevin Coleman had some success creasing some big runs, Michael Carter as well. But how do you guys mm -hmm. become more consistent in the run game? That way it's dominant week in and week out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for that, it's just, you know, coming into practice, uh, you know, being on details. Um, you know, I think one thing I learned very quickly uh, in this league, especially in the run game, um, you know, this game is definitely a game of inches. You know, if you're not, you know, on your point, you know, hat placement isn't where it needs to be or hand placement, then, you know, the guys on the other side of the ball, you know, they get paid too. You know, they know how to, you know, counteract those blocks. Um, so I think just being very detailed uh, is important, uh, you know, especially especially in this type of offense, you know, the um, wise on uh, offense, I guess you call it. Um, but yeah, you know, we're getting better every week at it, you know, working together, you know, talking to the running backs, you know, they're running, uh, aiming points um, and everything like that. So, you know, I just think it's everybody working together um, and, you know, we should be good. What's the relationship like of this rookie class and how much do you guys put it on your shoulders that, hey, we want to be foundational pieces for this thing when it turns mm -hmm. around? Yeah, I think, 
this rookie class, you know, really gels well together. Uh, you know, we talk a lot outside of ball, you know, which is, I feel like important. You know, you can't always be talking about ball. Um, you got to get away from it a little bit. But, um, you know, when we're in here, you know, we know how to work together and everything like that. And also it's a good thing to, you know, always uh, talk to vets. You know, a lot of the vets are always helping us out. Um, but, you know, in terms of the whole future thing, you know, we know why the Jets drafted us, you know, because they think, you know, we're good players. And, you know, obviously, you know, we all think we're good players too. So, you know, just coming in and being able to, you know, just learn from the vets and stuff like that has been a good, you know, good thing so far. Elijah, let's talk about a guy that has been chomping at the bit to get back and play next to you, Makai Becton. Yeah, Just talk God. about what you, you what you've seen from him as as far as is him getting ready to play, and then the mm -hmm. process of you guys potentially being on that left side for years to come for the Jets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, now I mean I see Makai every day. You know, coming in here again is uh, his rehab training in. Uh, you know, every day he talks to me. So I'm, I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get back. Um, so you know, I'm excited for it. I know he's excited for it. He knows working his tail off to get back. Um, you know, in terms of the future, you know, I can't, I can't wait to play next to him, you know, for a consecutive, um, you know, amount of games. You know, we only had like one half together. Um, but, I mean, the only word I could say is, you know, I'm excited for it. It's going to be fun. Who are a couple of the guys in the building that you've latched on to where you just talked about it before? You got to have relationships outside of the facility. Who are some guys mm -hmm. that you're hanging out with outside One Jets Drive? Yeah, I say uh, Mike, Mike Carter, uh, RB. Uh, you know, I try to hang out with him a lot. Uh, Zach Wilson, too. You know, I've been kicking it with him. Uh, but you know, I try to hang out with a, with a whole lot of guys on the team. You know, like I said before, I, you know, it's important for, I feel like, for everybody on the team, you know, get outside of football. You know, you don't always got to talk about ball with each other. Um, so, you know, I'll be, trying, I'll be trying to hang out with everybody on the team. So what's Wilson like outside the building? Hmm. And, and, and do you know the hair product he's using? <laughs> nah, I, I don't know the hair product. I'm going to ask him about that get back to you. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, but Zach's a, Zach's a good kid, man. Uh, you know, just going out to dinner with him and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he, he's just a kid from Utah, man. Um, but, you know, very nice guy, all that. I mean, I just I just like hanging out with him and Mike Carter and all the guys on the team, too. Everybody's a good dude off the field. And, uh, you know, it's just good to chill every once in a while. Hey, hey go ahead. Right. Elijah, let's, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. We kind of were talking about mm -hmm. this off the camera. You know this is a team that's going to, you know, bring a lot of pressure down in and down mm -hmm. out. And communication is going to be key. And I know that's, mm -hmm. that's something you guys have talked about. And we talked about going into the season when Makai Beckton went down, this offensive line gelling as the season went on. How important will that communication be this week, more specifically, mm -hmm. versus the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, they bring a lot of guys up on the line, try and confuse them and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, our coach always puts together, you know, a good game plan for us, you know, for protection-wise, run game-wise. Uh, so, like I said before, you know, we just got to be on our toes, you know, which we always are. And, you know, communication is key for every single thing in this game. Um, so, you know, just being able to have a good game plan and just follow that game plan, that we should be good for whatever they throw at us. You're a West Coast dude. You got a really close yeah. family. What has it been like coming to New York and living in the New Jersey area? And also, mm. how much have you appreciated the way the fan base has welcomed you? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I want to talk about the fan base first. Uh, they welcomed me, you know, from the jump as soon as I got drafted. Uh, you know, I felt welcome from them, and you know, I still feel welcome from them. Uh, you know, I felt like we got 
you know, some of the best fans in the league. Um, so, you know, that's always a good feeling, especially coming from the West Coast. Uh, you know, I really feel welcomed. Uh, but it's been different out here, man. It's starting to get a little cold outside, too. So, you know, I bought me a little winter gear. You know, bought me, you know, black puffer jacket, you know, New York style. Maybe get some Tim's, too. Um, but, you know, it's been good out here. It's starting to feel a whole lot like more. Starting to feel like home more, um, you know, especially with the family, you know, coming out as much as they can, too. So it's been fun. Yeah, I literally was just about to ask you. So, are you ready for you know the Jersey winners here? You got you got your gear your gear yeah. game right, or you still got to get know, it right? Yeah, I want to say I'm ready, but uh, I never lived in the cold. You know what I'm saying? And it's starting to get cold out here already, and it's not even really snowing. So, you know, I got to get ready for it. But you know, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good for it. Hey, who do you want USC to hire? Ooh. Man. That's a great question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really don't know, though. You know, I've been talking to a lot of guys on the team. Uh, you know, they said they have no idea either. Uh, but, you know, I know, you know, whoever they hire, uh, you know, the guys that go in there, you know, they're going to work, uh, you know, work their tail off and stuff like that, you know. And I know uh, Mike Bond, the AD, is going to, you know, hire the best coach for the job. So I'm excited for it. Big game this week. I know you're probably going to keep your eye yeah. on that while you're getting your final preparations in for the Dolphins because USC and UCLA battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I got a little, uh, I got a little uh, friendly wager with a uh, McDermott, Connor McDermott <laughs> on the team. Um, but yeah, you know how we going to, you know how SC rolls in whenever we play, you know UCLA. But no, nah, it's going to be a fun one to watch. We'll definitely be tuning in for that. Uh, Elijah. Great stuff. I just want to end. Dude started talking to you about the Dolphins a little bit. Mm. What's been the message uh, from Robert Sala this week as you guys mm. try to put it together in all phases mm. and play your best complimentary game of the year and come home with a win? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Coach Sala, he's always talking about, you know, we got to be on our A game. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Um, and I think the thing is, it's just self-inflicted wounds. Like, we know we're a good team. Uh, you know, we, we know that we're better than, you know, a lot of teams that we played. Um, you know, I think, like I just said, you know, self-inflicted wounds. And, you know, you just can't have those um, at any level, you know, playing this game. Um, you know, you just can't hurt yourself. So, you know, being able to, you know, be in our game plan, um, you know, communicate, everybody be on the same page, you know, is what we got to do. Uh, so, you know, this week, great week of practice, you know, learn from last week, move on, and, you know, just get ready for the Dolphins. And, you know, we're all excited for it. Thanks for joining us. Great catching up. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Whenever Zach Wilson gets back in the lineup, what do you want to see from him? I just want to see him progress as far as – you heard him say in the interview there's some things from Mike White's game he feel like he can really implement in his game. And I, when, when he said that, not to put words in his mouth, essentially I, I think he was saying that he could be able to take the underneath route. Like he doesn't always have to go for the home run throw 
down the field, find your backs out of the backfield, and just take what the defense is giving you. So we know the type of arm talent Zach Wilson has. So you'll be able to take your shots in this offense, but just take what the defense is giving you. And if he can do that and progress in this offense, we, we've seen Mike White throw for over 400. We saw in three quarters, you know, Josh Johnson throw for over 300 yards. So just because – you're not forcing the ball doesn't down the field doesn't mean you won't throw for a lot of yards. You can essentially throw for a lot of yards. Even Patrick Mahomes learned that this past week versus the Kansas City Chiefs. He finally took the stuff that was underneath and threw for over 300 yards. So you can still throw for a lot of yards in this league just by taking what the defense is giving you. Do you think Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur have to talk to him and say, you can't make up for lost time, okay? You yeah. can't go out there on <laughs> the field there now try because to, you, try to make up for yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> because you missed a few games and throw for 700 yards because that was what was happening early in the season that he just wanted to make yeah. something happen so bad. I think because he's a young quarterback, you kind of reiterate that, right? You don't want to try to force that down his, his his throat essentially, but you tell him, hey, look here, we, we know you're, you're you're anxious, you're ready to get back out there, you're chomping at the bit, but just relax. Take what the defense is giving you. We'll draw some plays up where you could take shots or, you know, if plays break down because you get up, you know, pressure right up the middle right away, then you can do your off-platform things. But don't make a habit of that, right? Live within the offense. You can't really build an offense off of off-platform throws, but you can build an offense of taking what the defense gives you. Then when you have the ability to throw off-platform because you're getting pressure, then you do that. But just don't make a habit of doing it right away. Jets fans, as you know so well, are a vocal group. Yeah. They're not happy right now. How important is it for this team yeah. to do something early to get that fan base involved? I mean, it's an important period because, like, the games where the Jets have started fast, they've had a chance to win games. The games where they haven't started fast, they had no chance to win the game. So, like, not just for the fan morale, for the team's morale, for the energy on the sideline. Like, you want to start, come out, start the game off fast. You're going to be at home. Um, yes, the fans have are probably I feel been, like there was a connection there during yeah. those games. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, they, they were feeding off each other. Exactly. So, when you start off fast, the fans will get into it, right? And then you'll have your own energy on the sideline, too, because when the offense goes out there and puts a drive together, the defense feeds off that. If the defense goes three and out, you know, the offense coming onto the field will feed off of that. It works hand-in-hand hand together. And then, you know, the fans get into it. Your 12th man, they come on, and, you know, they start getting rowdy. And when you're playing well, the Jet fans, man, that, like, that's a real ally to have, especially when you're on defense. I've been here when, it, you know, MetLife has been rocking. And, you know, quarterbacks, the opposing quarterback couldn't even hear each other, you know, couldn't hear the offensive line, couldn't talk to the receivers, couldn't talk to the running back that's standing right next to him. So it's important for the Jets to really come out fast in this game because it's been a struggle the last four weeks as far as you know the defense being able to they've given up a lot of points the offense besides the Cincinnati game and you know the one drive from Mike White versus the Colts yeah. haven't really started fast and when you get behind the eight ball it's hard to win look past the record with the Dolphins too because they're playing better don't you think it's yeah. a two-game winning streak it's 100%. a formidable defense and the offense where if you're a Jet, you're looking at this, hey, maybe we can get right against the Dolphins offense. I'm sure the Dolphins offense is looking at the Jets defense <laughs> and saying, hey, we can get after A hundred percent. So, like, you have to be careful when you're looking at schedules and you see yeah. teams that are, you know, below 500 records because they're looking at you the exact same <laughs> way. The week that you say, like, well, we're playing the Dolphins, this is a week for us to get right. Trust me, they're looking at the film and saying, well, this is – a week for us to get right too on offense and defense. So it's your job to go out there and change their mind about how they view your team, right? Go out there, 
Go play complimentary football. Go start fast. Don't turn the football over because when you turn the football over, essentially it's almost impossible for you to win the game. X factors on both sides of the ball. Remember, we're taping Tuesday. We don't know who the starting <laughs> quarterback is. Give me a couple yeah, of factors. So X factor to me is Elijah Moore on offense. You got to get find ways to get him the ball in open space again. He's been dynamic the last few weeks when we've gotten the ball Tim in open space. And then also on defense, it's going to come down to this, this D-line. I know I say that. Week on, week in, week out. But I'm looking at John Franklin Myers. Like This is an offensive line that has really struggled. If you're one-on-one with Jesse Davis, you have to abuse him and take advantage of him. So those are my two X factors this week. John Franklin Myers on defense, creating havoc off the edge. And then Elijah Moore, get him the ball, not just in the pass game, but also in the run game, some in the rounds and maybe some reverses. Finally. Tua Tungavailoa, uh, he's a left-handed quarterback. Yeah. What does that mean for you as a pass rusher? So, that means essentially the, the, the right defensive end is the backside guy, right? So, like, the right defensive end has to bring that heat off the edge because that's essentially his blind spot, and that's where he can't see. Also, when, you, when you're rushing him and you're facing him, so say if you're the left hand, you got to get that left hand up instead of essentially getting your right hand up because that left arm is the one that's throwing the ball for, for Tua. So, essentially just knowing – how to rush a left-handed quarterback. If you're facing him, right, you want to make sure you force him to his, essentially his left, no, his right. <laughs> so if you're the right end, you want to force him to the right so he has to throw against the grain. But if you're the left end, you don't want to allow him to continue to run out to his left because that's where he's comfortable throwing the ball. So if you're essentially the left defense end, you can make up and under moves because you're going to force him to run to his right, which he's not really comfortable throwing you know, to the left while running to the right. Another great podcast we'll see you next week. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Do it.